Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, live from opening day at Dodger Stadium alongside the Bulldog, Earl Hershiser, back for, uh, so apparently we didn't run you off the last time we did this. Well, the cage felt good last time, okay. you know, I, not a lot of human beings like to be in a cage, <laughs> but with you, it's not bad. <laughs> that might be the highest recommendation I've ever gotten. Uh, let's go to Twitter before the fans get the webcams fired up to join us here in the cage uh, with Bulldog and myself. Uh, you know what? Let's stay simple. Dodger Life wants to know, who is your favorite pitcher in the majors to watch right now? Well, that's pretty easy right now because it's the best player on the planet. So you've got to think Clayton Kershaw, who's going to pitch today against James Shield, the Padres against the Dodgers here in Chavez Ravine. The sun is out here. We are live here from Suite 221 up here, and I'll be getting to look down at Clayton Kershaw. We do the pregame show down there on the field uh, of the Dodger dugout. And I'll tell you what, when you watch Clayton Kershaw pitch, it's absolutely amazing. He's blessed with a left-handed arm that throws about 95 miles an hour and knows how to spin a ball and is one of the most competitive people in the world. And the thing I love most about Clayton is that he's an unbelievable athlete. Yeah, Uh, it's uh, amazing to watch him at work, but also know in between the lines, he's pretty much as good a human outside the lines, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, what he does with his charity work, they, they have an orphanage in different th- works that in Africa. They've donated a lot of money down there. That came from a, a really a heartfelt need from his wife, and that was introduced to Clayton from his wife. And uh, they continue to do great, great things, even here also in the L.A. area. Now that he signed the big contract, he has really spread his net of charitable contributions a lot, a lot of places. Uh, phenomenal, man, phenomenal pitcher. This is the average. Jones chatting cage live from Dodger Stadium. Oral Hershiser taking your questions. Fans, join us in the cage. Press that red button. Get the webcam fired up just like this fan right here. All right, fan, what's your name, where you're from? What's your question for Bulldog? Hey, I'm Matt. I'm from Woodland Hills. And my question, what is Clayton Kershaw's greatest strength? Well, uh, Clayton Kershaw's greatest strength, uh, it takes a lot of things for a pitcher to become great. So you can't just pick out one great strength. But after you have a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, after you're blessed and you're left-handed, after you can throw a curveball, and after you then can start commanding them. And the difference between control and command, control is where you throw strikes, command is where you hit your spot. So he has all of those things. I think his greatest strength, after you give him all those things, is his competitiveness. Clayton doesn't worry about mechanics on the mound. He doesn't worry about the hitter. He just worries about winning the game. And so he's not tied up in ERA, even though he's won four ERA titles unprecedented in all of baseball history. He's not worried about the Cy Young or the MVP. He is only worried about winning that particular game that night. And uh, if he would have played for Tommy Lasorda, Tommy would have absolutely loved him, not only because he's a great pitcher, but the fact that that's how competitive Tommy Lasorda was. Uh, this is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. Oral Hershiser taking your questions there. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with Twitter, but Tim, I know you have Facebook on under control. What do you got back there in New York? Yeah, thanks a lot, JB. We're going to go to Facebook, and Caleb Forrell wants to know, Oral, how would you describe Yaziel Puig in one word? How would I describe Yaziel Puig in one word? See, I went to Bowling Green in Ohio and only went for three years, so I'm not sure my vocabulary is good enough to describe Yaziel in one <laughs> word. I would say unpredictable. I wanted to go with something that was more relevant towards talent, but 
I'm, I'm sure that everybody knows he's talented. Yeah, so well, we're going to go with the unpredictable part. Uh, this is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I'm JB. That's Oral Hershiser. Who is Get that you? Edward Jones guy you're talking about? He's a really smart guy. He must be smart with money. Yes, very and placement of money. Uh, yes. Yeah, I've got some money with him. Uh, we, we should talk. Uh, <laughs> this is the cage. That's a bulldog. <laughs> get your webcam fired up. You ask, don't have to get in a cage to be with Edward Jones. Ask any question though. you want. You might get financial <laughs> advice from Edward Jones and from Oral Hershiser. None of that is regulated, by the way. <laughs> really? Uh, let's go back to Twitter. You're slightly embarrassed because you're turning red. Uh, it's, it's the sun out here. Oh, okay. I left New York where it was like 10, 10? a week ago. It's just oh been a brutal gosh. winter. Twitter wants to know, besides my weather reports, hurry up. Uh, what does Andrew Friedman bring to the Dodgers, Oral? Well, you got a nice house in Pasadena. That's above that, yeah. Uh, we, everybody saw that. So that's a really, and I used to live in Pasadena, not in the house that big. Um, really, really smart. You could see what he could do in the American League beast, as we say, with uh, a very small budget and to fight the Red Sox and the Yankees. And so I think what the Dodgers were doing is they had an outstanding general manager in Ned Coletti. But Ned was at a point probably where the, he had followed through on all the instructions the Dodgers had given them to make them a relevant team again. And I think now with Ned still in the organization, then Andrew coming, his brilliance, Andrew is a younger man. It, it brings another set of eyes. The, the front office now has a different set of eyes than maybe the old school front office. Now it's more of a sabermetrics and old school front office. And I think uh, with the budget the Dodgers can give Andrew and with the help that he's brought around with the brass, uh, they are looking to win year in, year out. Uh, and it's certainly set up in that way. And as you said, he's yeah. managed uh, payroll that was much less significant. So mm -hmm. with this sort of backing, he should be in good shape. Join us in the cage, fans. Get that red button pushed. Join us just like this fan right here. What's your name? Where are you from? What's your question for Oral? Hey, Bulldog. My name is Steve. I'm from uh, Statesboro, Georgia, the longtime SoCal guy. Um, my biggest my question for you is that uh, what has been the change in pitching since you were in the majors to what you see today in your current role? Wow, uh, Steve, uh, there's been a lot of changes, and I think most of the changes – are the information that the hitter has about the pitcher before the at-bat starts. Even the visual information, because now everything is not only charted uh, by scouts in the stands, but also on video, and then broken down and given as a personal CD or a personal DVD to hitters as they fly into a city. They could be watching on their iPad every successful at-bat they've had after, off that pitcher, every successful at-bat that pitcher has had of a hitter that is like them. Uh, then they have the charts and the tendencies on the pitchers. So pitching in some ways has gotten harder, but then pitching in some ways for me has gotten easier because we see now that it's kind of a pitching dominant type of year last year and what I think has happened there is the pitchers are now looking at the trends of themselves there are certain outs in the game or there are more important outs or more important pitches than just a normal at bat so for me there were five pitches and five at bats during a game that were crucial uh, the five pitches could be two and two count second and third one out I know if I throw this guy a fastball in right here I'm going to jam him and save the run Maybe if I bounce a breaking ball, I'm going to get him out. I have more information now about the, what that hitter is thinking, what I have done in those counts, and do I want to go strength against strength because of what I feel is going on in my body, or do I want to go with the scouting report and go to his weakness and my strength? So I think for the smarter pitchers and the guys that have more tools and the guys that can comprehend the information and apply it, there's a chance that pitching 
can outweigh hitting right now because of that information. Oh, wow. That's uh, really insightful to see how that arc has been. I, has it's changed. changed a lot. And that's a complicated answer for a, a very simple solution, which is the simple solution is 2-2, two, two, second and third, one out, tie game, wind's blown out to left. I want to throw, make him hit the ball to right because mm -hmm. I don't want it to go to left. He can do this on this particular pitch. You have to be able to process all that. That's but if you can as a pitcher, it's always good to have a good catcher. And that's what A.J. <laughs> Ellis is amazing oh, at yeah. for the Dodgers. Yeah. That's why he's so valuable because he could hit 180, but he can remember all that information and know how to apply it. That's the important part of allowing you just to pitch. Yes. <laughs> well, if you can go out there and be a brain-dead heaver, that's a lot better than and have a smart catcher. Then you can just think about mechanics and making the pitch. But if you have a smart pitcher and a smart catcher, it's even better. Uh, that's phenomenal. And uh, brain-dead heaver, my new <laughs> band name, by the way. Just going to work that up. Uh, it is now time, fans and folks, for the very special moment of each Edward Jones Shannon Cage. It is the EDJ question of the day. And as we are here at opening day in Chavez Ravine with Ola Hershiser, here is the question of the day. What is your favorite opening day memory? Oh, wow. I have a worse opening day memory. It's when I opened against the Marlins as a Dodger, and the, we were going against Charlie Huff's uh, butterfly pitch, mm -hmm. and uh, Charlie uh, beat us pretty bad, and I was overthrowing my sinker, and it was straightened out, and the Marlins won their inaugural game because of me. And the most exciting thing about that was that because I pitched opening day and it was the Marlins' inaugural day, the next day when I was licking my wounds and working out and getting ready for start two, uh, I had probably 300 items from the Marlin oh. management and ownership to sign for their <laughs> inaugural stuff, and to this day are in their showcase. So I, I made it into the showcase infamously. That's Isn't you, that a great opening a day great memory? That's a great opening day memory. It's a warm, fuzzy yeah. feeling people yeah. get out of that one. I really didn't like opening days. Uh, really? As a pitcher. I actually declined opening days probably two or three times in my career. Prior to that Marlin start? Pri or, well, or prior it? to that and after that for <laughs> sure. I, the, the bunting comes out. The adrenaline is there. Yeah. It's the very first game. You have a 160-pound shortstop that doesn't hit. He maybe hits three home runs all year. He goes deep twice because yeah. he's just playing out of his gourd because it's opening day. And then he settles back into how he's going to play the other 161 games. Give me game two. Okay. Clayton Kershaw, you can have game one. <laughs> so your favorite opening day memory <laughs> might be game two. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Just Even game three. Or three. Game three I did after 88, uh -huh. when the Cy Young and all those stuff that happened in 88 in my life. If you want to go back, do we have more time? We can go over the whole year. Right, well, got no, forget it. A fan standing by, so, but we have plenty of time. Standby fan. Let's get, stand, what do you got? No, forget it. All right, the fans here. <laughs> forget it, says Oral. We'll follow up on that later. What's your name, where you're from? What's your question? Uh, my name is Tim. I'm from Glendale. Uh, my question is, which of today's current hitters would you least like to face? Wow, that's a really good question. Uh, the first guy who popped into my head was Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, speed, because if I made a great sinking fastball, and then all of a sudden he tops it, he's got the speed to beat it out. Power, that if I make a mistake, he's going to plant it in the bleachers. And he hits the ball for power to all fields. And he's that wiry, strong guy. He's kind of that sneaky, strong guy. He doesn't come up there 6'4", 220 pounds with muscles coming out of his shirt. He comes up there a little smaller in stature for a power hitter, a little too big for a speedy guy. And all of a sudden he's bringing all these tools. And... Uh, It'd be really hard to knock him down because if the dreadlocks are coming out of the helmet and you knock him down a little bit, it could hit the dreadlocks and he gets first base. So that, yeah. That'd be even harder. There's a lo lots of problems. That's a lot of problems. He's a challenging pitcher to uh, hitter to face. Uh, I can't keep up with Twitter because it's just why? We, I'm not. It's being I'm, lit up. I'm slow and you old. You're a really good host. That's why. Thank you. Uh, Tim is also an excellent host. He has Facebook questions. 
This is the era we're in, folks. Social media. Tim, what do you got? Unbelievable. Thanks, JB. Yeah, back to Facebook. And Bill Swisher, Oral, wants to know, what is the key for the Dodgers to win the National League West this season? The key for the Dodgers to win the National League West this season is for the San Diego Padres to stop making trades and becoming an all-star <laughs> team. Uh, if anybody out there in Twitter land or Facebook land doesn't know, but they just got Craig Kimbrell. So I think that just made them about six to seven games better. The reason I say that is that Craig Kimbrell will probably pitch in about four to five ninth innings when the game is tied, and the Padres will then come in to win that game in the 10th or the 11th, and maybe that'll happen two or three times a year. And then he's going to come into probably four to six games this year where he gets the save, where the guy who was going to close for him before probably would have blown the save. So I think Craig Kimbrell, with their starting rotation now, it's a really formidable team. The key for the Dodgers, though, is to stay healthy. This is the Edward Jones, Chad and Kate. That's Oral Hershiser. Uh, knows the Bulldog. I'm JB. Get in the cage. Fire up your webcam. Get your question. Get FaceTime with your favorite players and broadcasters like Oral, just like this fan right here. What's your name? Where you're from? What's your question? Christopher here in Bakersfield. I'm just wondering how many wins do you think the Dodgers are going to get out this year? Got some people saying 95, some people saying more than 100. Yeah, 94 wins last year, Christopher. And then if you uh, think about when Sports Illustrated came out with their prediction, I think they had the Dodgers playing against the Indians maybe in the World Series and the Indians winning it. I didn't really believe that. But I think they predicted 95 or 96. Uh, I don't think that was before the San Diego moves. I don't think now it's before the Kimbrel move. I think yesterday they asked me on our Time Warner station here that I'm with uh, how many, and I said 93. Uh, after the Kimbrel move now, I'm going to go with 91. I think they'll just get a click over 90. I think this is going to be a lot tighter division now. I think it's a giant Dodger Padre division. I'm not sure we're going to hear much from Colorado or Arizona. Those guys could always, you know, make something happen because in baseball anything can happen. But uh, I really do believe it's going to be just over 90 that wins this division. Uh, there you have it. Uh, early predictions from Oral Hershiser on the California teams in the West. On the Good. Edwards Jones chatting cage. cage. Yeah. Well done. We'll Make sure this, we get that in. Well, this will be documented too. Now, later in the year, we can see how accurate you were. About what? And then Edward Jones does a metric. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's no, how that shouldn't be allowed. It's financial advice no. is tied directly to your predictions. Really? It's, yeah. Oh, they keep records of what you, they do too? I didn't tell you that part? No. Uh, was, I might have. Shouldn't mention if that. If they make over 10% on a portfolio, <laughs> they should bad. get a lot of money. <laughs> This is the average. That means my predictions only yes, have to be ten percent right. That's all you need. Let's. Go, we're talking to a just a baseball legend, Oral Hershiser. Let's talk about another legend, uh, Jerbear eighty six. I love Twitter. Uh, Why is he a legend? Uh, not him yet. He's asking the question about another. What is your favorite Vin Scully moment? Oh boy. Well, Vinny is. Uh, was this Jerbear? Jerbear, yeah. It's really hard to address well, a Vince Scully moment with Chair Bear. Because there were 85 I'm just going to call him 86. Previous ones. Yeah, that's probably bad. Um, Chair Bear, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Vince Scully moments. I know Vin now is a friend. Uh, when he was a broadcaster on the team and I was on the team, uh, there was a little bit more distance, but uh, you got to say hello to him as you walked by the first-class seat where he sat on the Dodger charter. Uh, I think my favorite Vince Scully moment uh, being sentimental is uh, I was still around when fans would listen to their transistor radios in the stands and to be on the mound to wind up and to hear Vin Scully because there were so many transistor radios on in the stadium to hear Vin Scully say and Hershiser whines and actually be doing it is really really odd 
and to think of that he is the best broadcaster probably to ever grace a microphone in baseball or in any sport and have the longest tenure with an organization, to have that man uh, saying your name as many times as he had to say mine would be my favorite moment. Yeah, that's, or that's, moments. That's, yeah, those moments sound pretty amazing, pretty electric. Pretty it's exciting. unbelievable. It's, uh, you know, when he called Kirk Gibson's home run, mm. uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, game one of the World Series. We're not supposed to win. We just beat the Mets in game seven. I'm not pitching in that game, but I'm pitching the next day. I'm in the locker room with Gibby in the TV room, and Gibby is hurt, Didn't was so hurt he didn't come out for the pregame announcements of the World Series. He hears Vince Scully and Joe Gargiol in the eighth inning say he's unavailable, and now he gets so mad he ices down his hamstrings and gets to a point where he can take the at-bat, now have the at-bat, and then hear Vince Scully's call of that moment. It, it's pretty special. That's uh, mind-blowing. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Uh, that is going to wrap it up. How, you feel like this But I want, I'm having a good time. I want to stay. Well, we'd, we're going to send the internet home, okay. and then we can just keep doing this. No, right? if, if it's not the internet, I'm not doing it. All right. Well, then I guess we're done. Because I don't want to be with just you. I understand. It's weirder when it's just <laughs> okay. us in a cage. It's been fun, It's off the rails once again. You do a really again. good job. Oh, thank you. You're too kind. And I mean that, literally. I know uh, we're just in a little box on your screen, <laughs> but it's, it should feel like a cage. There's no better way to say goodbye. Uh, we'll see you on the next session of the Joe's Channing Cage. <laughs>